0: Two familiar foes will battle in the desert as the Seahawks and the Cardinals will compete for the second time in less than a month. Which matchup should you be watching going into this NFC West rematch at State Farm Stadium? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it all down on Matchup Wednesday here on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team. Every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It's Matchup Wednesday, our favorite show of the weekend. There may be a little bit of carryover from a few games ago because the Seahawks and Cardinals getting one of those rare rematches that happens less than a month after the first time that the two teams face off. This time they'll be playing at State Farm Stadium in Glendale. It's been a bit of a house of horrors for the Seahawks over the years, though they have won most of their games recently in Arizona. They'll be looking to continue that trend. We're going to dive into all the key matchups to watch when the Seahawks are on offense. And when the Seahawks are on defense, coming up next here on Matchup Wednesday. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% into deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. It's become a common theme here during the first half of the 2022 NFL season, but the Seahawks have another NFC Player of the Week, this time on special teams. Will Disley being recognized for a fantastic outing in Sunday's win over the Giants. He forced a fumble, also recovered a fumble. Those two turnovers leading to 10 points for the Seahawks. Ended up winning by 14 points. That loomed pretty large, getting those 10 points off of turnovers and much deserved recognition for Disley, who becomes the fourth Seahawk in eight weeks. So 50% of the week so far this year, they've had a player of the week, Disley now being the latest and absolutely deserved it for a fantastic performance on the third side of the ball.
1: Yeah, and he so rarely plays on special teams. That to me is, you know, one of the things that uh, w- was so surprising about this. Um, as you said, very deserving. I mean, his, his uh, turnovers created um, helped contribute to, to ten points in the a, a matchup against the New York Giants. Of course, it was billed as the game of the week on on Fox. Um, you know, and and to me, that is again one of the most exciting aspects about this is that this is Will Disley just kind of showing his Seattle color, so to speak, in that this is a guy who was previously at the University of Washington as a defensive lineman, then comes over to Seattle and makes a transition to the tight end position, just switches over when Nick Belor is unable to suit up, um, you know, one of Seattle's best special teams players in the past, former pro bowler. And, and you know, you, you see Disley make that transition, be able to kind of put his shoulder into the ball, create a forced fumble in that way. Uh, you know That, to me, again, is just kind of an a, a indication of what we're seeing here with the Seahawks. They are able to kind of mix and match and do some things here to create some big plays for themselves and, uh, and obviously lead to a huge win against the New York Giants. Let's see if the Seahawks are able to do the exact same thing um, this week against the Arizona Cardinals.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the background being a college defensive lineman, and he was joking about it after the game on Sunday, but this was not the first time that he had forced a fumble. If you go back to college, he actually in the Apple Cup in 2015 had a strip sack. Not many NFL tight ends that probably can say that. But that's where he started at Washington before they moved him over to tight end. And he found a little bit of success in that position. Gets drafted in the fourth round by the Seahawks in 2018. And you don't see a lot of fifth-year veterans that are starters on either offense or defense that play meaningful snaps on special teams. And Pete Carroll was lauding Disley for today. His willingness, nobody should be surprised with his personality. This is who Will Disley is. He is a selfless, team-oriented guy and always has been but his willingness to just jump into the lineup on the punt cover team to replace Nick Ballor, do whatever he's got to do to help his team win. And it was really fun watching him fly down the field and lower the boom with his shoulder. It didn't even wrap up Richie James, the punt returner. He just hit him so hard with his shoulder that the ball popped out. And then Joey Blunt comes flying in and recovers it. The second play, Travis Homer lowered the boom and, Will Disley just happens to be in the right place at the right time because he hustled down the field. And there are a lot of special teams players in the NFL that don't do that every single play. Sometimes they'll coast a little bit when they think a teammate's made a play. Will Disley kept running down there, put himself in position that when that ball squirted out of Richie James' hands, he was right there to recover it. And so, again, you don't see a lot of 50-year players that are starters like Will Disley is. He has started every single game for the Seahawks this year. He plays a ton of snaps on offense. Normally players like that, they aren't playing much, if at all, on special teams. And for him to go out there and play a, I believe it was a season high, he had 15 snaps on special teams in this game. For him to go out and do that by itself, that that was a great accomplishment for him. And you know, being willing to do that, but to go out and get the forced fumble and then recover a fumble on a separate punt coverage play, That's as good of a day as a special teams player that isn't a kicker or a punter is going to have. In fact, I can't remember the last time that a Seahawks player on special teams did both those things in the same game and they were on separate plays. Sometimes you see a guy force a fumble and recover one that they create, but he did it on two separate plays. So this was a really easy selection. And I think it speaks volumes when you look at the fact the Seahawks have four player of the week selections. Geno Smith won it after the Detroit game. Week one, Utena Nwosu with that dominant performance against the Broncos. And, of course, Drake Wollen a few weeks ago against these very Cardinals, very same Cardinals that they're going to be playing against this weekend with the interception and fumble recovery. They are getting star contributions all over the board in all three phases. And when you have that happening, you're going to win a lot of football games.
1: You are. And again, I think that's a really good point that you just made here and just kind of illustrating the different players that have won this award for the Seahawks so far. I mean, all of those were in victories. All of those were on different sides of the football. All of those were players that there were quite a lot of people who who kind of questioned how well any of those players would fit in. Utena Nwosu, you know, being a draft pick of the Los Angeles Chargers, then the San Diego Chargers, and they drafted him out of USC, who was kind of – Perceived as a tough guy, but not necessarily a flashy, productive player. You know, the Chargers, of course, let him go. Seattle brings him in, and obviously the proof is, you know, what we've seen so far. I mean, he has been incredibly effective. He's been Seattle's most consistent defensive player so far. Geno Smith has been absolutely spectacular. Tariq Woolen, of course, I've bandied about as basically saying we have bandied about as saying not only Defensive Rookie of the Year favorites, but should be in the, in the running for All Pro or at least pro bowl honors um and then again with will disley i mean the guy's just a football player and that's a bit of a cliche i get that but when you are able to play on the defensive side of the ball the offensive side of the ball just make that quick transition to special teams as well it's not only about just being aware it is about being an instinctive and physical player and as you said corbin i mean there's a lot of special teams players out there i i I think there's a lot of guys out there who do hustle. There's not a lot of guys out there who are 6'4, 260 pounds that can get through a jam at the line of scrimmage. They're used to getting through jams at the line of scrimmage. They're used to being able to use their hands to be able to kind of get through, you know, potential blockers and things of that nature. Again, because of his versatility, he is very able. To, to get through that, that you know, th- those types of skirmishes at the line of scrimmage, be able to get downfield and then, again, use his physicality to actually finish the play. So, again, I think the Seahawks have a lot of those kind of guys, and they are, of course, one of the biggest, hap- you know, happiest stories in a lot of ways for those who are Seahawks fans, and those of you who are just fans of good football. The Seahawks being a surprise at this point, I think that, uh, you know, it just shows that a lot of people out there around the NFL are watching what the Seahawks are doing and are giving them the acknowledgement that they frankly deserve.
0: And I don't want to make it look like I'm rubbing salt in the wound with Sidney Jones because he was a very good player for the Seahawks. And I think he's going to land somewhere and he's going to find success as a starter with another team. He got pushed out because of the talent Seattle had, but. He didn't do anything on special teams, and I think that that is really ultimately what led to him splitting away from the Seahawks, them waving him. If he offered more in that third phase of the game, I think they would have been happy to keep him on the roster, but all their other backups can contribute on special teams. Sidney Jones had one special team snap all year, so when you can have a guy like Will Disley that's a starter go out and play special team snaps, With a young football team, what a way to lead by example. And so I don't know that Sidney Jones, I'm sure he would have done it if he was asked to do it, but he wasn't a special teams player. That was something that certainly loomed behind Seattle's decision. You know what? We're going to move forward with the guys we have here. we got Trey Brown coming back. Isaiah Dunn's a good special teams player. He's coming back soon. So there's just not a place for you. Disley, on the other hand, you got a guy there that's just truly, as you mentioned, a football player. For him to go out and make the plays he did on special teams, willingly jump into the punt cover team, that is the kind of example you want your veteran leaders to provide on a young football team. Coming up next, it's matchup Wednesday. We're going to look at the Seahawks on offense as they gear up for a rematch against the Arizona Cardinals on defense. We'll get to those matchups coming up next here in a moment. This podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone, and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back so you always know your home is safe. Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology, including the ability to control my system from my phone, watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD, and use a variety of high-tech sensors for the best quality protection and the best part, they have 24/7 professional monitoring. So Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafecom NFL. save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafecom NFL to learn more. There's no place like Simply Safe. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. We greatly appreciate all the 12s out there, whether you're in the United States, Japan, Antarctica, Brazil, wherever you're listening from. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen. Five days a week. Let's get to our matchups here, Rob Seahawks on offense. Going up against the Arizona Cardinals on defense they did have a ton of success putting points on the board a few weeks ago at Lumen Field, but they were able to do enough to win 19-9 at home, and that started this three-game winning streak. Let's start on the offensive side of the football with a player that was a prominent focal point in that game, Ken Walker III going up against two really athletic linebackers in Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, who, quite frankly, have been hit and miss against the run so far in their young NFL careers.
1: Yeah, they have. They are dynamic athletes. They're not necessarily the most physical players at the point of attack. And, you know, I I would take a step back for just a moment here, Corbin, because I think there's going to be a lot of Seahawks fans out there that because Seattle won that game 19-9, to it it started off that three-game winning streak here that there's going to be some fans out there who think that this is just basically you know money in the bank. You're gonna be able to beat the Cardinals. I think that it is worth remembering that the even though the Seahawks won 19 to 9, the Cardinals ran for more yards, they passed for more yards, they won the time of possession this game. They sacked Geno you know, Smith five times. So I think that these individual matchups are gonna be critical. And we know that one of the biggest reasons why Seattle has had success over these last couple of weeks is because Kenneth Walker II has. Has been absolutely dynamic. He has absolutely earned that nickname of canine because he's been a dog. And I think that it is a critical matchup here because, again, when, when you have two former first round picks and Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, then Kenneth Walker has to be as dynamic against the Cardinals here in Glendale, Arizona, as he was previously in these last couple of weeks here. You know, and, and so I like his change of direction, I like his vision, I like his underrated power. I think that he is absolutely a dynamic back. We have seen that evidence here. But at the same time, Zayvon Collins had two tackles for loss, both of them sacks. Uh, Isaiah Simmons had a couple of pass breakups. It's going to be critical that Kenneth Walker III is not only the dynamic runner that he has proven himself already to be, but he's also effective as a receiver. He's effective in pass protection, that in the opportunities that Travis Homer and DJ Dallas have as well, that they also are able to make sure that Arizona's incredibly athletic inside linebackers are very busy because otherwise they are going to be able to create some pressure on Geno Smith. And that can turn, uh, you know, Glendale, Arizona into the house of Horace as you are argue, or as you described it previously in the show,
0: you look at Walker's game against the giants on Sunday. It was his worst game as a starter. And obviously that doesn't all fall on his shoulders. The blocking was not there. The giants did a great job. Of defending the run, walling off creases and limiting his ability to be able to get going. He did have that sensational touchdown run at the end of the game that was set up by Will Disley's fumble recovery we mentioned earlier, but it was his quietest game. They're going to need more from him in this contest because this is a Cardinals team with Vance Joseph as the defensive coordinator. You know that he's going to be sprinkling in those blitzes. He is going to run some of the exotic looks, maybe not quite how Wink Martindale does it in New York, but. They had a lot of success with their stunt game in particular to get those five sacks on Chino Smith a few weeks ago in the first matchup. So if you want to take pressure off your offensive line and your quarterback and not allow the opponent to tee off and use those games to get after him, run the football effectively. And I think if Ken Walker the third can get to the second level, as we saw the first time these teams played, he was able to break through some tackles, a bunch of them actually, and some of those tackles were Collins and Simmons. They are not the most physical presences out there when it comes to tackling ball carriers. So I think it's a good matchup for him, but the front line's going to have to win. And when he gets to the second level, you got to find ways to be able to create after contact and make guys miss. If they can do that, it really opens up the playbook. And a balanced offense is going to make it much tougher for the Cardinals to run the aggressive twists and stunt games that they want to defensively. All right, next up here on Matchup Wednesday, moving away from the backfield. Let's swing to the outside, and the first time these two teams got together, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they really were non-factors for most of the game. The Cardinals did a great job using bracket coverage to take them away, and Geno Smith wasn't targeting them a lot. Now he found other ways to get the job done, but this does feel like a game, a rematch, Rob, that it's going to be very difficult for the Seahawks to eke out another close, low-scoring affair on the road, they need to have greater contributions from their two-star receivers who have been banged up as of late. Can they get solid performances out of them like they did against the New York Giants? Can they get some big plays downfield? I think it's going to be important. I just don't see how they can win twice against a division foe if their best players aren't showing up and putting some numbers on the board.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing. Uh, you know, see, tried to get DK Metcalf very involved in this football, or in this the past football game. I mean, he had seven opportunities, seven targets from Geno Smith, and we've we've already lauded Geno Smith, and just in terms of his accuracy. So for. DK Metcalf to have seven targets and yet pull in only two of those passes for 34 yards. I mean, that's a lot more productive than Tyler Lockett was. He had five targets, only caught two passes for 17 yards. So again, I mean, you got your two stud receivers, two pro bowlers that are contributing for basically 50 combined yards on four combined catches then, yeah, I have to agree with you. I think it's going to be difficult for Seattle to walk into Arizona and be able to come out with a victory unless they get a little bit more production from their two-star receivers. Now, let, let's face it. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett weren't you know, putting up 100-yard games against the Giants this past week, but, of course, they both caught touchdowns. That's where I think see, it has to happen for Seattle to be able to emerge from Arizona with another victory against the Cardinals is you don't necessarily have to have a great deal of catches. You don't necessarily have to have a great deal of yards. We're going to talk about DeAndre Hopkins, who has done both of those things. He only has one touchdown so far in his two games uh, so far in this season. I do think that Seattle does have to get some points on the board from their wide receivers. So I would extend this conversation beyond just DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. As much as I want to see Seattle's two superstars get themselves involved in the scoring Perhaps it's Marquise Goodwin. Perhaps it is, uh, you know, D. Eskridge that is able to step up in this game. And Goodwin, of course, was did not practice on uh, during Wednesday's uh, you know, practice. So that, that's a little bit of a concern there. But I do think the wide receiver position has got to be able to produce a little bit more. Seattle's tight ends really were the big story in the passing game for the Seahawks uh, in their last victory against the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, and the Titans are still going to be a focal point. I'll get to that in a moment. But the Cardinals, they're secondary. It's interesting because going into that first matchup, they were having some issues giving up big plays to receivers. The Seahawks were not able to do that, and some of it was schematic. The Cardinals literally were telling Geno Smith and Shane Waldron, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do it, getting the ball to the tight end and getting the ball in the short intermediate range to your receivers. We are not going to let DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett beat us downfield. And the Seahawks were able to find ways to move the ball and get some points on the board. I just think they're going to have to get more creative finding ways to get the football into their two playmakers' hands and see if they can open up some opportunities for them downfield. But Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson, Wilson's having a heck of a second season at the other cornerback spot. He had a pick six a few weeks ago against the Saints, and he's a player that you and I both like the athleticism and the talent coming out of the draft from Florida, but He has really been better than I thought he was going to be, and that's given them another rock, another young corner in their secondary to go with Byron Murphy. So they have some pieces there with the safeties that they also have to be able to neutralize some top receivers. And teams have been able to find success for whatever reason. Seattle in that game – got very little from their two receivers. They are going to need Metcalf and Lockett to be at least a little bit better. Those guys are going to have to be able to contribute a bit more if they want to get the season sweep in Arizona. Speaking of those tight ends, to me, this is still one of the most important matchups because the Cardinals have been so putrid against tight ends. And let's be honest, it has not improved since these two teams met a few weeks ago. Like DK Metcalf mentioned today, teams don't really change in this short of a window. The Cardinals still are having major issues with tight ends. And so the focus goes to our reigning special teams player of the week and Will Disley. You're looking at him on the offensive side of the ball, though, as well as Noah Fant and Colby Parkinson. And last time we did this show, Rob, we were looking at him with linebackers, but safeties actually were getting a lot of reps on them in coverage in that first matchup. Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Baker did not practice on Wednesday, so that is a storyline to watch. But you're talking about two athletic safeties that have ball skills that'll come up and hit you, but even with their presence, this has just been a very difficult go for this defense slowing down tight ends, in Seattle, their ability to run that 13 personnel with three tight ends in the field, they had a lot of success throwing the football from those three tight end sets against the Cardinals in the first matchup, and you know, sometimes you just can't get cute, you know, I, I you hear sometimes fans saying, well, we're gonna have to switch things up, because they know what we did last time, well, that's true, but The Cardinals still haven't been able to stop tight ends. Sometimes you say, hey, we're going to keep doing this until you prove you can stop it. And so I anticipate Shane Waldron's going to be looking this like, I'm not completely scrapping my game plan from the first time around. There will be some adjustments, and we know the defense will make some adjustments. But we are going to get Will Disley, Colby Parkinson, and Noah fan, the football, and we're going to continue to press the issue here because the Cardinals have not shown in any game this season other than Carolina early in the year. Carolina does not have the tight end talent. That Seattle does not even close. They have not proven they can stop that position. So you get your receivers going. That's a big thing. But the tight ends are once again, going to be very important for the Seahawks to score points in this game.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. As you just mentioned, Seattle just has an awful lot of talent at the tight end position, but the Cardinals have an awful lot of talent at the safety position. Um, and what the fans from the state of Washington should know them well. We're talking about Buddha Baker, former UW uh, superstar, Jalen Thompson, former Washington State superstar. So you know they the Cardinals have one of the best safety tandems in all of the NFL, in my opinion. Neither of them are real big guys, however. Um, and I think that again, another mo- another thing that you mentioned previously is that the defensive coordinator Vance Joseph is highly aggressive. He likes to do a lot of blitzes. And let's be real; I mean, it's gone. This has been the the truth for a long time. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there who their so-called security blanket is the tight end, and Seattle's got three very good ones. I think it's interesting that we highlighted Will Disley in the graphic because Will Disley only had one catch um, in that first matchup against the Cardinals, whereas Noah Fan had six. And so I do think that there is going to be a little massaging of the uh, you know the play calling here. I don't necessarily expect to be Noah Fant to be the tight end that Seattle focuses. I think that you were right in, in highlighting Will Disley. I think that he is the guy that has been the difference maker for Seattle. Noah and Fant's he's played
0: really well in Arizona too.
1: Exactly. No offense, terrific athlete. Will Disley is a good football player, as we illustrated earlier in the show. And so, to me, that might be the passing touchdown kind of element that the Seahawks might be able to focus in on. Because, again, I do think that there is going to be a little bit more of a focus on the running game. You're going to get those safeties to creep up. You're going to get those linebackers to creep up to try to slow down Ken Walker the third. And that is going to create those opportunities for the tight ends to be those short yardage touchdowns. And that's where Will Disley has been absolutely superstar and again wouldn't be surprised at all I mean as, as as good as Buda Baker is he also you know he missed uh Wednesday's practice as you mentioned before Budabaker's Baker's 510 Kobe Parkinson's 6'5. you know and so I do think that that's something that Seattle should be looking at in terms of matchups as well
0: yeah it seems like the size advantage is really there for the Seahawks in that matchup and you get some pretty athletic tight ends that can catch downfield can move the chains so they've got the weapons there to take advantage of that once again. And there may be some change-ups how they approach it. But I expect Shane Waldron is going to make that a big focal point once again in the game plan. We're going to switch gears now to the Seahawks on defense going up against Kyler Murray, Nuke Hopkins, and the Cardinals offense. We're going to get to those matchups here in a moment. We're nearly halfway through the NFL season with week nine on tap. Still crazy we're that deep in this season already. I've got Aaron Rodgers waking up with three touchdown passes against the lowly Lions and Patrick Mahomes dicing up the Titans for 350 passing yards this weekend. Those might not seem like bold leaps given the talent of those quarterbacks, but with prize picks, it's easy to play. Daily fantasy, you put those entries to the test With two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to ten times your money. On any entry, no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And Price Picks offers projections on any sports you watch, whether it's NBA, MLB, NHL, even disc golf. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Price Pick app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match. Up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, price picks will give you $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast Matchup Wednesday. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co host and crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week we greatly appreciate it and for your second listen make sure to check out the locked on sports today podcast they've got the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the day it's available on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcasts continuing matchup wednesday we just looked at the seahawks on offense against the cardinals on defense let's flip the script a little bit here rob the seahawks on defense really got things rolling three weeks ago in that 19-9 win over the Cardinals only gave up three points on the defensive side of the football. But don't be mistaken, it's not going to be easy to come close to replicating that again, particularly because there's a certain wide receiver that is back in the lineup for the Cardinals that was wrapping up his six-game suspension when these teams met in Seattle three weeks ago. And I think we've got to start with that first matchup. This We talk so often, Rob, about get your popcorn ready, worthy matchups. I don't know that we've had a spicier one-on-one matchup going into a game this season than seeing Reek the Freak Woolen going up for the first time against Nuke Hopkins on the outside.
1: (laughs) You mentioned get your popcorn ready. I think Orville Redenbacher is actually going to be in Glendale to watch (laughs) this kind of matchup because, you know, I I just love the matchup of – the the athleticism, the size, the straight line speed that is Tariq Woolen against DeAndre Hopkins, who does not have elite straight line speed. What he does have is incredible body control, incredible hands. This is going to be a really fun matchup. You know, I, I really, you know, there, there's an analogy out there with boxing. They say that, you know, differing styles make for great fights. I really think that this is differing styles here, and there's no doubt about it. And Anybody who is watching on YouTube can now see the statistics that DeAndre Hopkins has put up in two games, 22 receptions, 262 yards. Yeah, he only has the one touchdown so far, but at the same time, I think what is very clear is how much Kyler Murray is focusing in on his superstar wide receiver. So to me, that's what's going to make this an absolutely fascinating matchup because there is no doubt about it. Tariq has already proven that he can cover just about anybody, but can he compete with the ball in the air against an absolute magician the way that DeAndre Hopkins is able to just kind of steal the ball at the very last second I mean, he is remarkable in that way. Some people might remember a couple of years ago, I think it was last season where he scored the game winner on, uh, you know, the the end of the game, um, you know, a Hail Mary pass. I mean, he just makes amazing things happen. Pete Carroll talked about his touchdown just this past week during his, uh, you know, Wednesday press conference. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is spectacular in that regard and he is incredibly physical. So to me, this is a really fun matchup. It is the one that we absolutely have to highlight because whether you and I talk about it or not, Kyler Murray is going to throw the ball, throw the ball towards DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to force the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, and so there is a possibility that Seattle maybe is going to get another defensive, uh, another player of the week honors if Tariq Woolen is able to duplicate what he previously did against the Cardinals. If he's able
0: to get an interception in this game and play well against Nuke Hopkins, I think you can write his name in as an all-pro selection. This is the kind of matchup that can put you over the hump, particularly as a rookie, and put your name on that exclusive list as one of the NFL's elite corners. And he's played against some decent receivers this year. But let's be honest, the Seahawks have gotten lucky. They've played a lot of teams that have been missing top receivers. So far this year, Detroit was missing their top three receivers, for example. So this is going to be the toughest test that Tariq Wollin has had in his NFL career to this point, going against the receivers you mentioned that has different style to him. Hopkins is not the most explosive receiver, but he's an incredible route runner, very smart football IQ his body control is unprecedented. I mean, this guy is still number one in the NFL. His ability to just manipulate his body in the air and make incredible catches with two or one hand, as we saw last week against the Vikings. So, if Tariq Woolen wants to really show he is one of the top corners in the league, this is your litmus test. And you know, Kyler Murray is going to take those chances. Can Woolen make him pay? Teams have been avoiding him for the most part the last few weeks. You know, Kyler Murray's not going to do that. If Hopkins is the receiver across from him, he's going to trust his receiver to win that matchup. Can Woolen make him pay? That's going to make this exciting, and that's discounting the other matchups. Robbie Anderson is now a Cardinal, Yep. so Mike Jackson's going to get his opportunities going against him. And then you got Rondale Moore in the slot. We talked about Kobe Bryant going against him, how there's an athletic advantage for Moore, but I thought Bryant did a really nice job against him in the first matchup. Can he replicate that, though? Because Moore is one of those little jitter jitter bugs that when he gets the ball in his hands, he can break a tackle, make a guy miss, and then he's gone. So Kobe Bryant's going to have another tough challenge going against him for a second time in four weeks. So, of course, that is going to be the number one matchup to watch. I think we have to then shift our focus to the trenches. And maybe this is the most important matchup, even though everybody wants to see Hopkins against Woolen. The Seahawks have had so much success against the Cardinals over the last couple of years when they have been able to get interior pressure on Kyler Murray. And they did that the first matchup, getting six sacks on him. A lot of those came from interior pressures where they were able to push the pocket and really disrupt the timing and make Murray uncomfortable so I think we got to look at the fact that Rodney Hudson, the starting center, one of the best centers in the NFL, is not going to play again. He has been ruled out for a fifth straight game, so the Seahawks are going to miss him twice. That means that Billy Price, former first-round pick of the Bengals, and let's say that he has not lived up to that billing. He's been with three or four teams now, never's really been able to find a place where he can be a quality starter. He's bounced around a lot. He's the one now, though, that is tasked with replacing Rodney Hudson in the middle. It's a different center than the one the Seahawks went against a few weeks ago, but we saw the field day they had in the inside. The Cardinals have some injuries at their guard positions as well. This feels like an area where Puna Ford and Shelby Harris, Quentin Jefferson, L.J. Collier now being healthy, he had a solid first game back from injury reserve. They've got a number of guys that can get after it that are athletes in the middle. This is a matchup that should absolutely be heavily skewed towards the Seahawks' advantage if they can get some penetration going again and fluster Kyler Murray. It might not matter that New Hopkins is there because he's not going to have the time to get the football to his star receiver.
1: That's well said, buddy. Because I think that's exactly the case. If this game was being played in Lumen Field, um, then I think that this was basically be the matchup that we should have highlighted first, um, because Rodney Hudson is that good, and Billy Price has struggled that much. Now he was a terrific player with the Ohio State Buckeyes, was a first round pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you know, four or five years ago. At the same time, he has really, really struggled to replicate that success at Ohio State into the NFL. He was since or he was Arizona's third string center. Sean Harlow, a former tackle at Oregon State, moved over to the the center position, was their starter previously, and 6'4", 284 pounds is Harlow. He just simply doesn't have the bulk, doesn't have the sand in his pants to be able to hold up to the bull rushes, um, and to hold up to the, the level of athleticism from some of these quick three-technique defensive tackles. Um, and so he struggled, and now Billy Price can get his opportunity. He started against the Minnesota Vikings this past week. Corbin gave up two sacks, um, You know, allowed pressure um, on a uh, on a field goal attempt. Um, and, and so Billy Price has not done very well so far. So just given the the myriad of, of options that Seattle has in the interior, then I really think that this is something that Seattle should be able to continue. What they've been able to do against Kyler Murray in the past is create that interior pass rush, force Kyler Murray basically be the wily Coyote kind of guy that he can be in terms of running around and not really knowing what to do with the football, possibly throwing the ball up for grabs. And that, again, is going to create some of those interception opportunities that we talked about with our previous matchup.
0: Typically when the Cardinals play against the Seahawks, we talk about Zach Ertz. And I'm just going to mention right now. Ertz could certainly be a big factor. He killed the Seahawks last year. Had a pretty quiet game a few weeks ago in the first matchup. That would have been an honorable mention pick, though, because this week the Cardinals' injury issues in the offensive line are not just restricted to the interior. Their starting left tackle, DJ Humphreys, did not practice today. And from what I've been told Very much his status is up in the air for this game. There's a chance he could suit up and play, but if he doesn't, Josh Jones, former third-round pick out of Houston, a guy that we liked in the pre-draft process, thought maybe Seattle would have interest in a few years ago. He has not played many reps on Sundays. He would take over as the left tackle, and I think that makes that matchup a very fascinating one because even with Humphreys out there, Humphreys had a very good year, has not given up a sack this season They've had their issues, though, protecting Kyler Murray. And if you can get interior pressure, you still got to contain on the outside. The Seahawks did a good job with their pass rush across the board in that first matchup with Nuosu and Daryl Taylor and Boye Mafé getting after the QB. They are going to have to be able to do that again, be aggressive, and at the same time, maintain, contain, and so I'm looking at guys like Nuosu here. Can you feast off of a backup left tackle potentially in Josh Jones? Boy, Mafe's going to be playing a lot more snaps. The one caveat here is that Daryl Taylor, his athleticism, really was giving the tackles for the Cardinals fits a few weeks ago. He did not practice today. I would be surprised with him only playing three snaps the other day. He wasn't able to get over the hump and really contribute. He's dealing with a hip injury. I would be surprised if he plays on Sunday. And that could be a potentially big loss that ends up neutralizing what should be an advantage for the Seahawks here, looking at the tackles going up against edge defenders.
1: Yeah, if Gerald Taylor is unable to play, and I agree with you, it doesn't sound very promising for him with a hip injury. I mean, I just think that... Um, Darrell Taylor, you can say what you will about Echano Nuosu, how we've talked about Boye Mafe as well. Taylor is your quickest off the line. Um, He is the he is the best in terms of turning the corner. And when you have a dynamic athlete like Kyler Murray, that's important. But I also think that it's very important to acknowledge, as you did. That D.J. Humphreys, as good as a football player as he is, that he did not practice on Wednesday, and the Arizona Cardinals are kind of unique and if they are only carrying three true tackles. I mentioned Sean Harlow before as um, now Arizona's third-string offensive lineman. Perhaps he's going to be asked to play that tackle position should anything happen. If D.J. Humphreys not able to play and Josh Jones is forced to play at that right at that left tackle position, you know the right tackle is Kelvin Beachum, a solid starter at the NFL level, but certainly not a difference maker and so again the Arizona Cardinals are very vulnerable at the offensive tackle position Um, and so Seattle was able to get six sacks at Lumen Field season high uh, at Lumen Field in that big victory over the Cardinals a couple of weeks ago. There's a possibility they're able to get even more than that even though they're going to be playing on the road just because the Cardinals are going to have the issues at the tackle positions that they have so I think that this is a really important matchup to highlight. I would agree with you that uh, we, we perhaps should be talking a little bit more about Zach Ertz and how productive he has been. It remains to be seen who's going to be playing the running back position. If the Cardinals are able to get their normal starter, James Conner, back, um, he's missed several games now with uh, with hurt ribs, a very painful injury to come back from. That is a matchup. To, to also focus in on, but at the same time, it doesn't matter who is catching passes at tight end, who is running the ball behind Kyler Murray. If the Cardinals aren't able to slow down a suddenly rejuvenated Seahawks pass rush. And I would say Bruce Irvin, I think is another player, uh, yeah. They that, that could absolutely jump up here. That doesn't really matter again, because I do think the Seahawks defense, the way they're playing in the secondary, I think is going to allow them to get a little bit creative in terms of pass rush, perhaps frustrate Kyler Murray. And that allows Seattle's defense to really tee off. And
0: I guess that would be the caveat to the caveat. when I mean, we're talking about Daryl Taylor, maybe being out Bruce Irvin had just signed and did not play in that game a few weeks ago when the Cardinals came to town. He literally had been off his couch for like four days. So he's now got two games under his belt. He's got one more game that he can be a practice squad elevation. I expect that hit the Seahawks are going to do that, and they'll fill their 53-man roster spot with another player. Then next week they'll find a way to get him on the roster. But he is another X factor to watch here because he still looks very spry at 35 years of age. A one day, late birthday, uh, condolence or wish to Bruce Irvin. But Nonetheless, it uh, still looks very spry. It looks very fast off the edge and could have a chance to make an impact potentially against a backup left tackle. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be joining Alex Clancy of Lockdown Cardinals. He's probably getting sick of seeing me. Second crossover in four weeks. We'll be breaking down this upcoming rematch between the Seahawks and the Cardinals at State Farm Stadium. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks!